Okay, my name is Kieran McAvoy. I am a spokesman for the United States Attorney's Office in Los Angeles. Perfect. And can you explain to me what elder fraud is? Well, elder fraud is a pretty broad term. I mean, it's, you know, a whole types of different kinds of schemes to defraud people, but it primarily just targets the elderly. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons that the elder, elderly do get targeted is, is because on average, uh, senior citizens, not only in this country, but in other ones, tend to have more money. Uh, many of them have done the right things in life. They're, they've paid off their mortgages. They've saved for retirement. You know, they've, they're, you know, tend to be, you know, in a more uh, affluent part of society. And so because they've done, you know, what's a good thing, you know, you want to build your nest egg for retirement, it makes them more attractive to thieves. And, um, you know, some of the things about, you know, getting older, you become more forgetful. Um, I mean, even in middle age, you're not as sharp as you were in your 20s in terms of uh, remembering things. And, um, you know, rightfully or wrongfully, you know, there are elderly people who who do worry about that. They have a very real, very legitimate fear of, you know, dementia or whatnot. And criminals will uh, exploit this. Um, you know, they, they do this to everyone. But, you know, to, to target the elderly, I mean, it, it, you know, as I said, because of the money and, and because of their personal situation with getting older, it kind of makes them more vulnerable. Um, and then you have some people who definitely do have dementia or whatnot, so that makes them more vulnerable still. Uh, other factors for the elderly is, um, you know, particularly in our society and in California in particular, California is a very expensive state to live in, particularly on the coast, like places like Santa Barbara County. And, you know, uh, somebody who lives in Santa Barbara County who is older and maybe they raise their kids there, maybe their kids can't afford to live in Santa Barbara County anymore, can't afford to live in California anymore. And so they move away and, you know, so they can be quite isolated, which also um, can leave them quite vulnerable to, uh, to criminals, basically. So that's kind of the broad overview, just in terms of um, the different types of scams. I mean, some of the ones we see, um, you, you know, the, there's ones called grandparent scams where someone will call pretending to be either a doctor or a lawyer or a police officer and say, you know, your grandchild is in the hospital or has been arrested or, you know, they need money to, for their hospital bill or to get bonded out of jail, uh, wire the money here. And, um, you know, it's, um, you know, that can be quite traumatic. And of course, you know, their, their grandchild is fine. There's nothing wrong with them, but then they've wired $10,000 or however much it is to to a criminal. So that's that's one type. Some of the other types are just your garden variety Ponzi schemes and investment frauds. Um, you know, that you could have we have a currently have a case pending against a defendant out in the Inland Empire um, who primarily uh, what's alleged is primarily targeted uh, senior citizens in terms of, you know, investment stuff and, and you know, that having something to leave behind to their heirs to their kids and grandkids and you know sometimes that turns out it's one big fraud the, the internet there's just a whole bunch of gamuts uh you know somebody from social security claiming that you know you need to call this number immediately or you're going to be in trouble or frequently those are are fraudulent you know you'll see stuff in the mail or email 
second notice. Well, you don't even remember the first notice, you know, that sort of thing. So although, as I said, these these sort of things, they, they target people of all age groups, the elderly can be particularly vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And with the rise of more internet-based scams, a lot of them come from outside of the country, right? Yes, that is a good point. Yes, there are a lot of them. I mean, fraud has been part of the being a human from time immemorial. Um, And so a lot of this stuff isn't really new, but what's new is the technology behind it. And because of the technology, it's so much easier to communicate with people from different parts of the globe where, you know, much, much easier than it used to be. So what often will happen is there will be um, online scammers from another country entirely. It could be Canada, it could be Nigeria, it could be somewhere else. And they will have, you know, they will be the ones swindling uh, elderly people. They'll do that to businesses as well. They'll have middlemen in the United States somewhere, sometimes in California, who can put them in touch with money launderers or put them in, you know, give them fraudulently acquired bank accounts for them to launder the money and then take it out very, very quickly. So what usually happens is, let's say in a case of a grandparent scam, I believe we had a case, the uh, some of the defendants were in, based in Canada and making the phone calls to swindle the grandparents. Grandparents would wire the money to a bank account. and uh, But of course, it was just opened by a money launderer, basically helping them out, a co-conspirator. Once the money's in there, it's very, very quickly, they take it out. So um, you know, once you send the money, usually speaking, it's as good as gone. Um, so that's, as I said, that's with the internet, you do see this kind of internationalization of crime. And so do most scammers that are abroad just get away with doing this or do they eventually get caught somehow? I mean, well, we certainly make every effort to that we can you know, to arrest them and bring them to justice. I mean, we had a guy who was sort of a more of a money laundering guy, Ramon Abbas or Ray Hush Puppy was he was known. They did some elder fraud scans. And I mean, he was transported here and now he's currently serving a, I believe, a 14 year prison sentence in in the United States. Uh, We had somebody else who was recently sentenced to over 11 years in prison. Nigerian national who was living in Los Angeles County, who was a middleman for between uh, internet scamsters and and money launderers. And some of the stuff they did was elder fraud. And so he got arrested. So although the United States Department of Justice and you know our law enforcement partners make every effort to arrest people, there are limits in what we can do. If somebody is in a country in which the United States does not have an extradition treaty, is going to be very difficult to get that defendant and, and get them over here. But we certainly try, both domestically and with our law enforcement partners in other countries, you know, because there are people over there getting victimized too. And I know that a lot of education workshops and awareness is built up to make the elderly more aware that these scams can go on and how easily they can get caught in them. Is there anything else besides that? Um, that's being done to prevent these scams from happening so often? I mean, I think education's the key. I mean, obviously, you know, in law enforcement, we do what we can to root out and punish the wrongdoers in this. But I, I do think, as you said, education is key. And just to be the awareness that, you know, this could happen to anyone. 
And what these criminals prey on are things that are actually good about people, which is, you know, people who you want to trust people, you want to, you know, help people out. And, you know, if you didn't trust anybody on the planet, you would probably never leave your home. What we try to do, and I think like AARP, uh, what they try to do in other organizations is just to try to get people to be aware of what some of the scams are. I know banks send uh, messages to their customers and stuff just to be on the lookout for certain types of fraud. Um, that's the most important thing. So knowledge is power. That's definitely key. This could happen to anyone. Um, I get a lot of phone calls from fraud victims of of all different age groups. And I've known some very, very smart, very, very tough, very, very shrewd people who've fallen victim to catfishing or, you know, some other types of scams. So as I said, knowledge is power. And just to be aware of what's out there, just to protect yourself and, you know, protect your retirement savings. Yeah, I think it's a great point that you make. This could happen to anybody. And I recently talked to a Santa Barbara woman who was scammed. And she told me that she would have never thought this would happen to her in a place that she's lived for over 60 years. Um, I just wanted to hone back into like Santa Barbara specific and ask you about a case that happened a couple months ago, I believe, concerning Daryl Avis. Yeah, that was uh, last year. He was sentenced like October last year. So it's almost about six months ago, almost. So yeah, Daryl Abyss, uh, who is, uh, was sentenced to 133 months in federal prison. And what he did was he stole or fraudulently obtained approximately $14 million uh, from people who thought their investments were going to purchase annuities issued by Swiss insurance companies. He pleaded guilty in June of 2022 to 21 felonies, including wire fraud, money laundering, tax evasion, uh, aggravated identity theft, or some of the charges. And basically what he did was he ran a long-running Ponzi scheme, I mean, at least eight years. And so, you know, one of the things you often see, you know, or at least that's pitched to older people is, you know, annuities and, um, you know, insurance companies based in Switzerland. Well, you know, Switzerland is has been a stable country for a while. It hasn't been in a war in over 200 years. And, uh, you know, the Swiss banking system is quite sound. So it sounds good. So basically what he was claiming was that these Swiss insurance annuities were safe, secure, and would pay interest rates ranging from 5% to 7%. Basically, he just took the money not to purchase the annuities like he promised, but he just spent it on himself. He had a lavish lifestyle. He luxury car leases, expensive watches, trips to Monaco, more than $170,000 in purchases at a Santa Barbara nightclub, 20 tickets to a U2 concert and after party. And then, of course, in um, Ponzi scheme style, because you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, they will give lulling payments to the uh, some of the investors, particularly some of the early ones, to make it appear that the scheme is successful when in fact it's just one big fraud. Now in specifics, uh, one victim lost uh, nearly $10 million in the scheme and he stole $400,000 from another victim uh, that he knew recently had been diagnosed with cancer. This is according to uh, the prosecution sentencing memorandum. 
if somebody's coming to you pitching something, be suspicious, be skeptical immediately. You know, a lot of the people who do this stuff, uh, they're sort of silver tongue devils, you know, like, you know, it sounds really good. They're talking to you, you know, and you could see how somebody might fall for something like that. So that's just another thing to keep in mind is that, you know, usually the people committing these kind of things, they're, they're usually very charming. They're very funny and they make you feel good when you're talking to them. But, you know, not only knowledge of scams is good, but knowledge of personal finance. And there are, you know, some books that you can check out from the library and educate yourself on that. And, um, you know, without getting in too into the details, you know, once you read some of those books and you can look around, anything's recommended by the Wall Street Journal. If you read the Wall Street Journal's uh, uh, personal finance page or whatnot, um, you know, it simplifies things greatly. Mm -hmm. And does the Department of Justice have any resources for if you realize that you've been scammed and you've had your money taken away from you, like what following steps they can take? If you believe you're a victim of elder fraud, I mean, the U.S. Department of Justice has a national elder fraud hotline. That's 1-833-FRAUD-11. So 1-833-FRAUD-11. So this hotline is managed by the Office for Victims of Crime. And it's staffed by experienced professionals who provide support, personalized support to callers by assessing the needs of victims and identifying relevant next steps. So there'll be a case manager assigned and, you know, there'll be somebody there to help you. Um, I think you'd, another thing to do would be to call your local FBI office. Santa Barbara County is within the, the same jurisdiction as Los Angeles. So there's the FBI field office in Los Angeles, and they have experienced agents who investigate financial fraud and financial crimes. And so I, I would call each one of those numbers. That's what I encourage if, if you think. And then there's, you know, the obvious things you need to contact your bank, you need to contact the, the credit bureaus to protect your credit score and put any fraud alerts, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I think those are all the questions that I have today, unless you have any other important points to mention. Um, I don't, but thank you very much for taking the time to uh, interview me. Yeah, well, thank you so much for the important information. All right, thank you.